Williamson driving in on Taco. Oh, and that's going to be the fall as the basket goes. Team on your shoulder. Big time delivery. How about those onions, man? Go to tie it. Five out of six at the line. Missed it. Comes up short, too. Barrett follows it up for the lead. And they're in the first seconds. Up. Here we go. Inbound out to Taylor. Jones is on him. Taylor driving. Driving in. Banks it up. No. Put back. In and out. And Duke survives just barely. Never a doubt. This is the Five Point Play Podcast. The Don Hard Duke Basketball Fans Podcast. I was never concerned. The entire night. What about you, AC? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know that I can say never concerned, but I, I, I felt. I don't know. I, I don't know how I felt. I think. I think when when everything happened, like two minutes in, and I was like, "Oh God, damn, this sucks." Ah, oh, God, what a game! Oh my God. It, it, yeah, it, it's a, it was a crazy game. Um, I, it was heart attack central. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was ready to to bring the toaster and take a bath. It it, it was. <laughs> Just one of those one of those nights that the tournament gives you, and um, you know, I just kept saying to myself, this team is too good to lose this early. But mm-hmm. shit, did they try? Um, really give, try? <laughs> and give credit to, to Johnny Dawkins and give credit to, to his son. He lit yeah. it up, but we we did not do a good job of shutting him down, and that's something that we have done all year long for the most part. And it's something mm-hmm. that I hope that we do against Virginia Tech. But we, for whatever reason, did not get up in Dawkins' space. And, yeah. you know, he hit some contested shots, but my goodness, he was on fire. Yeah, man, it was it was impressive to watch him play. It was, it was like watching, you know, it was like watching a, a kid from, you know, a pro prospect from a top, Five team. I mean, I, I think I think UCF played equivalent to what a top five team would play. So, you know, th- there were some good things that Duke did in this game, some bad things that they did. But overall, it was just a really high level game. And it's funny, you would think, you know, looking back at stats and things, you would think that, you know, the guys from UCF didn't miss at all. But I mean, three of their starters shot below 30 percent from the floor all game. So the defense was there like Duke's defense was there. Everything was there. It's just we ran into the, one of the hottest players in the tournament this season, probably the hottest player in the tournament we'll see this season in Aubrey Dawkins. And he was enough to to keep keep Duke from ever getting a run between that and the zone that Johnny Dawkins played. I thought he did an exquisite job of defending the team in general. And even though Zion got 32 points, I think I thought his game plan with Zion was good. It's just game plans don't work against Zion Williamson. So I, I think that's one of the big takeaways from this is just that there's with with college level talent, there's nothing you're gonna be able to do to stop Zion Williams. And they tried with it. They had they had put Andre the Giant in the middle of the floor, and they still couldn't stop it. So, I mean, it's it, it is what it is. I think at this point, as long as he's healthy, I think I, I don't I don't believe that anybody will be able to stop Zion Williams. And and it's, after that, it's up to the rest of the team to do what they need to do. Yeah, and and I don't know about you, you know, because there were so many big plays that happened in the last couple minutes, but. Mm-hmm. To me, I thought the Cam Reddish three was the biggest play of the night. Oh, that was absolutely huge, and he shot it. And just because I think it's, I think it's because I, I, I just don't have faith in his team, team shooting a lot of threes. I was definitely very like, 
I wasn't as confident on that three as I was when he shot the three against Florida State. I was like, I saw it coming, and you could see it setting up, and I was like, oh, God, don't shoot. And he shot it, and he made it. I was like, well, that's why I'm not on the team in any capacity. <laughs> like, he just he, – he, he continues to step up, and hopefully he doesn't have to keep doing it, but he just continues to keep stepping up every game when when something is on the line, and he just continues to show that – who cares that I missed two threes in the first half? I'm going to hit this one with a minute left, and and I don't really care about what anybody has to say about me. That's kind of Cam, and that's kind of what he's done all season. It's This is not the first game he's hit big shots. So the, the kid is just amazing with the shots that he hits. Hopefully he can stay out of foul trouble the next few games so he can keep him in the game. But, I mean, Cam was amazing. He was he was absolutely exceptional and, and at the end of the game there with that shot. That was such a brave shot. Yeah, it was a brave shot. He had the stones to in transition, pull up and knock that thing down with confidence. And, uh, you know, yeah, it was one of those shots that, you know, you you just, you don't see, you know, many kids his age taking those kind of shots. Mm -hmm. You know, in that, in that moment, you're down four, the, the book tells you drive, drive to the lane, get to the line. Uh, And he he had the, the, the stones to take (laughs) that shot and bury it. Uh, and then obviously, you know, Zion, you know, making the play uh, at the end, obviously missed the free throw, but RJ making the huge rebound recovery and putting it back and then living on the edge of your seat, watching Ugh. that ball roll around the rim two or three times. I, I can't take much more of that. I, I just, you know, it was, <laughs> I kid I, I, I you, you not, in the last minute and six seconds of the game, I put my phone down, put it on vibrate, and by the time the game was over, I had 81 text messages. <laughs> I mean, In one minute of action. For, 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 for the reaction of, hey, are you still alive? Are you okay? Like, what did you break? I'm happy to announce <laughs> that I didn't break anything. So everybody Congratulations. Yeah, which I should be proud of my, about that. You yeah. Know, I'm 36 years old, uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm still being accused of breaking things during the game. Um, nothing to be proud of there, Russ. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah look, um, you know, it was it was a crazy game. Uh, I want to talk about Trey Jones real quick because I've seen him getting roasted uh, for taking some of the threes. What what are your feelings there? You know, I, I I want him to shoot with confidence, but at the same time, you got to know your game a little bit more. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I don't think he doesn't know his game. I, I the, it's coaching like he is he is being coached and conditioned to not second guess those shots and Kay's going to continue to tell him to take those shots. I mean, he had a couple big ones against North Dakota state and, but they didn't translate in this game. He was one for eight this game, but he's got the mentality that you want from a shooter, which is, I don't care about the last one that I missed. I'm going to shoot the next one. It's just that his execution on, in, in terms of shooting is just not good. And maybe, you know, we don't see him in practice, maybe in practice and especially in this gym or something in particular, he's drilling these shots, but He's he's one he's been one for eight or one for seven like the majority majority of the season, and we've seen it. And against that zone, the way they played him, they they just sat back. They put Taco in the middle. So I was kind of mad that Zion wasn't getting looks in the middle, or RJ even weren't getting looks in the middle. But then you look at it, and they had they had Taco fall standing right in the middle of the zone. So putting someone in the middle really isn't going to do much. And I think they took took a couple looks at it. It really didn't it didn't translate into much. So. He kind of played to their strengths when they did that. But, I mean, 
he's he's got somebody's got to be able to stretch that zone and they overplayed everyone so much that they just left him wide open and gold wire at times too when they were when he was in the game with trey and that was just it was it was unfortunate that that alex didn't get any time or even joey didn't get any time and i have a sneaking suspicion alex didn't see time because of the dunk that he missed against north dakota state and I don't think that he was putting any extra anything on anything. I thought he was just trying to make a play, and he missed a dunk. And I know how much Kay hates that, but that's kind of his Bobby Knight and our Bobby Knight. But the, to at the cost of possibly an NCAA tournament game, I, I thought it was a little silly to not have some of your shooters in the game, especially with Cam in foul trouble. And their guys weren't hitting anyway. We we went to the zone for a while. I don't know, man. I don't know the coaching. The the coaching in this one didn't didn't make me feel very happy didn't impress me much the coaching in this game in particular not overall not k's body of work just this game i didn't think i I thought the moment was kind of big for him going against johnny in that moment and and everything else and i just i i don't think i don't think k's whole heart was in this one and i really don't yeah no i i read the same thing that and and i agree i i don't think that this was his best coaching moment i don't think that he likes going up against his former players I understand why the committee put, you know, UCF there so that they could have that matchup. Obviously, mm-hmm. the Taco going against Zion, but also because of the storylines with Johnny Dawkins coaching against uh, his, his mentor. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't his best game. I don't think that we made uh, any adjustments, really. And I, we're, let's be honest here. We're, we're very fortunate to be moving on. Yeah. And I do think that you need some luck to, to win. And fortunately for us, we, we were lucky last night. But mm-hmm. the reality is we can't have another game like that when we're done. So you talked a little bit about the zone. Let's go on to our next topic, which is mm-hmm. something that we've been reading a lot about over the last 24 hours. Yeah. What's the blueprint? It has the blueprint, oh my God. you know, been set now. Did Johnny Dawkins <laughs> keep the blueprint on how to beat people? No, <laughs> we played 36 games. Everybody knows how you go up against Duke at this point. You pack it in and you dare us to shoot. <laughs> That's it. That's it. it. Nothing's changed. Why is it all of a sudden that now there's a quote unquote blueprint out there? <laughs> I, I think it's just, I think it's cannon fodder at this point. I think that, you know, ha- more than 60% of the world has Duke won the national title and brackets and everything else. So, I mean, Duke is getting the, they're getting the, I, I hate to be cliche when I say this, I'm going to be completely cliche when I say this, but they're getting the Alabama, New England Patriots, New York Yankees, Red Sox treatment right now, which is they're the team that's on top and they're getting the, the media treatment of how do you stop this team? Oh, we figured it out from here behind the desk. We know exactly how to do it. All these coaches who don't have jobs, who didn't know how to coach against, Liberty or or VCU or some of the other teams that they played against that are, are much lower competition, they all of a sudden from behind the desk know exactly how to beat Duke. That's what that's what makes me so happy about this. Like that makes me laugh. Dan Dockage, Seth Greenberg, all those guys. They couldn't coach their way out of a wet paper bag right now, but they know exactly how to beat this monster Duke team. It's and, and it's so simple. Pack the lane. Shut up. Like you, you apparently need you, you apparently need the, the the giant from Princess Bride. You need to have a kid on the floor shoot out of his completely out of his mind, which we talked about before. We said the one thing that's going to knock this team out of the tournament is, is a team having their just incredibly best shooting night of all time. And well, we just about faced it against, against UCF. 
And, and and then on top of that, you have to have half of your team go ahead and go blind and not make a lot of their shots and, and take some some pretty silly plays and take some pretty silly shots. Like that's what it's going to take to beat Duke. So if if everyone can just do that, it, then they'll be great. So I think a lot of coaches are going out right now trying to find somebody on campus who's about seven foot five so they can toss them on toss a jersey on them real quick and figure it out because now that's the blueprint. Like it, what they did and what they were able to do doesn't work for everyone else. It doesn't. If, if, if it didn't work for UVA, the best defensive team in the nation, if it didn't work for Texas Tech, the second best defensive team in the nation, it's not just going to work for everybody else. All these other teams that, that Duke is facing the rest of this tournament, other than UVA, another possible meeting with UVA in the championship game, they, they or even Texas Tech, if they come from that side, it, it doesn't it does not translate and no one else can duplicate what some of those teams do on defense. And they definitely cannot duplicate what UCF offers, which is having a seven foot six shot stopper in the middle. Like that is, that, that is just, it, you don't have it. No one has that and nobody can duplicate that. And we've seen it all season. Duke has played against every junk defense all season and every junk zone all defense or defense all season. And they've passed the test every time. Okay. Especially with a full roster. Now you, with Jack white coming back, now you have a full roster coming back for Duke. It, it, like shut up with the blueprint like there's no blueprint they've passed every test and it's kind of disrespectful that people are starting to make duke sound so beatable they're not beatable if if ucf can't beat them the way they played they're not beatable if uva can't beat them on their own home court they're not beatable when they're playing the way they're supposed to play and and even if they don't play the way they're supposed to play they're still better than you and and don't forget these other teams have to face tournament pressure too so now in one week you're going to tell me some team is going to devise some scheme that they've never even tried before and it's just going to take down the number one team in the nation in college basketball give me a break man no it's not going to happen it doesn't work that way unless you've played it all season it does not work that way sorry end of story with the whole blueprint it's dumb it's dumb and it you know it's great for tv and it's great for non-duke fans to hear on tv because it gives them hope oh yeah this is great no doesn't work so go ahead throw whatever you want and 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 hopefully all five of your guys go 100 from three shooting eight for eight from three, and that's the only way you're going to beat Duke because that's the only way it's going to happen at this point. That's the only way it's going to happen. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things that if we, can, if we just don't beat ourselves, we should be fine. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that's kind of what we were talking about with Trey Jones. I didn't need Trey Jones shooting all eight of those threes. I'm okay with no, him no. shooting the three, but once you start falling along with it, and of course they're baiting you into taking those shots. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we've talked about all season long is don't take the bait. You know, you don't need to be shooting, you know, eight threes if you're Trey Jones, especially when you have a right. really good mid-range game and you can finish up. He's been, you know, great at the line uh, in the last month. So try to get yourself going there. Um, I thought we settled for a lot of threes, and I think that that is obviously what they're trying to, to get from this dude. Because, you know, dude can beat you in so many different ways, and you got to point out one weakness. And and just hope that it, it you know blows up for Duke. That's that's the only thing that you can really. And you know for. why that they had you know why they had to settle for so many shots, because of Taco Fall. Like he would have had twelve blocks in the game. He already had twelve fouls that they didn't even call. But he would have had twelve right. blocks that game. The only the only two people on the team who were even possibly capable of putting a shot up against him were Zion and RJ, and everybody else was either too timid or unable to to do it. And it is what it is. It, and it happened, and nobody else has that. Nobody else can duplicate that. No one. There's no one else. Not UVA, no one can duplicate the size that he offers. He is a giant human being, and I think it's completely underrated how big he and how, how really good he is 
and how well he moves in the middle for someone that size. Like he absolutely is going to get some NBA looks, especially after after his little run this season. He had a good season and, and a decent tournament, a uh, conference and NCAA tournament, and and he's going to get some looks because of what he offers. It, it's completely underrated how good he is down in the middle. We're not going to see that again. Anybody else who plays zone is going to get torched. I, I guarantee it because the adjustments are going to be made and the size is not there. Like that's that's a huge factor. Yeah, and it's going to go from one extreme to the other when we play Virginia Tech, you know, mm-hmm. who's a much you know smaller team. And we'll talk about Virginia Tech at the end here. But you know, look, let's just stop it with this whole blueprint thing. Yeah. you know how to like you, you know what you got to do when you're playing Duke. Teams have tried it all year, like you said. There's there's this isn't some kind of grand you know scheme here. Like you, you got to pack it in and hope that they miss. That's pretty much the, the only thing you can do. And then, you know, when we do have our full complement of players, I think that Cleese played very well. Uh, he's probably still trying to get himself back. But mm-hmm. we do have phenomenal offensive rebounders. So, yeah. you know, even when we do miss, we can clean those up. And it's just a lot harder to do when you're going up against a guy who's selling free things shit. So, Absolutely. Like, that's just kind of how it is. But, you know, we can, we can talk about that until we're blue in the face, pun intended. But let's talk about the, uh, the the North Dakota State game. Next play. Um, you know, it was a slow start for us. I thought we looked like we just thought we were going to come in there and, you know, have a cakewalk. And, you know, I certainly wouldn't have wanted to be in that locker room at halftime uh, with Cages laying into them about that kind of performance. But, you know, a win's a win, and we won by 23 at the end of the day. So I feel bad for people that had Duke minus 26 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but, um but, you know, it it was a slow start, but the second half was a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, they, they turned it on. And this team, I, I didn't notice it until last season. And maybe, I don't know if last season is the first team that K, that K really did it with. But I, I've definitely seen it a couple of times this year, the Gonzaga game notwithstanding. But it, it seems that, you know, and, and most coaches do this. They, they save something. They save their best trick for some time in the second half when you're going to need it. And 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 I thought Duke did that against North Dakota State. I think they kind of just played, they played the numbers in the first half. I don't I don't think there was much in the way of there wasn't much in the way of adjustment. I thought the effort was fine. I don't I to me it didn't look like a team that was overlooking another team. It looked like a team that was going to fight their asses off, and then it looked like another team that was just kind of taking the punches. So the punch count at the end of each round is going to look like oh yeah this team is they're ahead because their punch counts higher, but then when the knockout punch is ready to come, then, you know, the heavyweight champion is going to take over. And I think that's what happened here. I, I think the first half Duke's defense actually was really solid. Yeah. Um, despite, you know, some really some phenomenal individual plays by North Dakota state. I thought their defense was really solid. I, I didn't think they moved the ball well. And, and I didn't think, I didn't think they rebounded the ball well. And, um, you know, stats showed that with uh, what was it? One offensive rebound, I think in the first half, but you know, the second half they took over. They ran in transition, which is the one thing this team needs to do, and it's the one thing I thought that they were going to do against UCF, and they never, never even tried it. They they ran, they they trapped some. Trey put some tremendous pressure on ball handlers, and you know, Duke did what they normally do against most teams, which is force a lot of turnovers, get a lot of points, and go on some huge runs. And that's exactly what they did. And I thought it was great. Uh, you know, the the best thing I've seen so far was just that they shot forty percent from three for both games. Right. And maybe that was the gem. Maybe you know, maybe it changes when they come up here to DC. But you know, they they shot really well, and hopefully that trend continues because 
then that whole blueprint talk goes away because if you have a team that's shooting 40% from three, then good night. So, yeah, I, I thought North Dakota State was just a good example of what this Duke team can do in terms of defense, and I hope to see that. You know, you can't keep that up for 40 minutes a game, but I definitely hope going forward we see more of that, especially more of that than we saw against UCF. Yeah, you know, the best thing about this team all year long has been our ability to create from our defense, get out in transition, and get easy buckets. And I thought that we really started we, we really started locking down toward the end of the first half. Mm-hmm. I think we had a, a couple of stretches there where they didn't score for six or seven minutes. Yep. So clearly our defense was there. Our offense just had to catch up. And once we started getting out in transition in, in the second half, from the turnovers that we were forcing, it was a lot more like what we've been seeing pretty much the entire year. So yeah. against Virginia Tech, I hope that that's what you know our focus is going to be. And it's going to mm-hmm. be very difficult, especially with Robinson back, because they do have some really good uh, guards in the backcourt. So oh, yeah. that, that's going to be difficult. But if we can continue with the pressure, we've got to stop fouling. But the irony of the whole thing is that, like you said, of the two games, we shot 40% or higher in both. Mm-hmm. So from from three. So it's like, yeah, well, we have the blueprint, right? But yet it <laughs> just shows you that they are capable. I'm not going to sit here and say that I want you to shoot a ton of threes every game, but right. we are capable of knocking them down. So like I've said all year long, as long as the shots are within the framework of the offense and in rhythm, go ahead and, and take a quick step and don't settle for the three. And I felt like, you know, that's kind of what Trey did last night. But in game one, I felt like much much of our threes were in tra- uh were, were in the framework of the offense. Absolutely, yeah. And 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 the other and the other thing about what we mentioned before about the whole blueprint thing and about settling for threes and such, like, you know, Duke, Duke is gonna take those shots. They're empowered to do so by, you know, the the, the one of the greatest three point shooting coaches in the history of college basketball. He's embraced it you know, more than just about any, any coach we've ever seen in basketball. And so they're, they're going to shoot those shots. It's just a matter of a, get the shots that, that guys are comfortable getting. So, you know, whatever spot on the floor, they're most comfortable. It seems that RJ is, is, is fine on the top of the key and on the wings. It seems where his shots mainly mainly come from. Cam is a wing three point shooter, which is a very difficult three to hit, but that's the one he chooses. You know, Zion has been taking some wing threes that he's been hitting really well. Goldwire hit one, you know, guys are hitting them. Alex O'Connell, I, I think we'll see him again. I'm sure we will against Tech. I, I think that was a one-off this last game, mainly because of that missed dunk against North Dakota State. Yeah, you know, I, I, this team is gonna—they're gonna shoot, and I don't think they're gonna shoot 40 a game like they did against Syracuse. But I think they're gonna shoot the threes that are given to them. But you know, as, as if they're hitting them, then you know, like, like good night, like good luck, everybody else. If if they're not, they're still gonna be able to get inside, and that's that—that's what this team has still been able to do, regardless of who they've played. So that's not going to go away. So I don't know. It's 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 just it's interesting to watch this team play. They've they've done so many different things all season on offense, but it's always come back to you know at least getting a few points in transition and still getting the ball on the inside. And I don't see any reason why that won't continue. I really don't. I don't. I don't know. Like it's just it's they're a really fun team to watch, and I don't I don't want to stop watching this team. Like they're they're just a, a, an incredible team to watch play basketball. And I just can't wait to see what happens next, man. Yeah, well, let's you know, let's just hope that we can play with the same type of defensive energy that we did against North Dakota State when we played mm-hmm. against Tech. So we'll see what happens. 
Speaking of Morana, <laughs> Michael Avenatti, why do people continue to give this guy a platform? Why do people keep giving this guy airtime? I don't understand it. Walk us through for, for some of uh, our listeners that may not have heard yet, but he's being, what, fined or, I guess, might go to jail for trying to extort 20 to $25 million from Nike, and then it's going to come out tomorrow at 11 a.m. and throw shade at people? Like, what is going on here? Yeah, that's, I mean, that, that pretty much sums it up. So he's, yeah, if, if you don't know who Michael Avenatti is, most recently he's most famous for bringing forth Stormy Daniels against Donald Trump as if that was supposed to do something. He's, he's a publicity hound. He has been his whole career. That's how he started. And and that's what he's been ever since. And and at this point, yes, now he is being he is being jailed for extortion of over twenty million dollars against Nike. You know, good luck with that battle, dude. And so now his his play, his big play is oh, during March Madness, I'm gonna go ahead and release that. You know, Nike is corrupt in college basketball. Oh, well, there it is. Like, congratulations. Like, now you got an audience because because now this is gonna be publicized and it is gonna be. The press is going to be there and the media is going to be there and they're going to see what he has to say. And unless he can, and, and I don't know how, because it's not like he's a representative of Nike or anything. Like, I don't understand how, you know, he's going to come forth with this damning evidence that this, just just great evidence that says unequivocally, all these schools in under Nike have done something heinously bad that I'm going to go ahead and tell everyone about. I, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's, it's silly, but, you know, we wanted to address it on the podcast because, you know, by the time we release this in the morning, it is going to come out right after we release this podcast. So we at least wanted to give our thoughts on it and hopefully calm some nerves because, yeah, there's I've already gotten a few texts and things from people, you know, wondering about what's going on and worried about what's going on. To me, this is a non-issue until it's an issue. Like, I don't, if Nike wasn't involved in that thing that happened with Adidas and all the other the, some of the other shoe stuff that happened with Arizona and everything you're not this one guy is not going to bring nike down man that's not going to happen yeah you know this guy's a complete blowhard uh i just am dumbfounded that he continues to get airtime i I just don't understand it like how many times can he come out and just spew a bunch of bullshit and before people are like hey i think this guy's full of shit like i don't understand how many times that can possibly happen so he's going to come out tomorrow he's going to drive a bunch of names Maybe, you know, Duke's name's going to be in there. Maybe Kay's name's going to be in there. Wouldn't surprise me because he's going to try to get, you know, the biggest, you know, mm-hmm. he's going to try to drop the biggest name. That's just what he's going to do. But, Absolutely. you know, in, in, the sad thing is in, in 2019, you know, you're, you're guilty before proven innocent, right? I mean, you yep. have to prove your innocence these days. Instead of someone coming out and proving why you're guilty, you have to prove your innocence. And it's just mm-hmm. a shame that he's even going to have a vehicle, a platform tomorrow to be able to speak on whatever garbage this is. And, you know, yeah, I don't think that (laughs) for all the things that uh, Nike's been, you know, dealing with uh, over the last couple of years, the Kaepernick stuff, I I don't think that Michael Avenatti, the porn lawyer, is going to be (laughs) the thing that brings him down. Not not at all. Not at all. I mean, he, that's what he does. And he's, He's he's a publicity guy, and he goes after the big names. Like clearly, like he went after the biggest name, which is the president of the United States of America, and he he got some leg, he got some made some leg room leg work or whatever for a couple of a couple of weeks, and it lasted, and it was great. And now he's chosen tournament time 
especially now that he's being the extortion is coming against him to all of a sudden release this info. So, you know, whatever, whatever. Congratulations, guy. You got your name is out there once again and you'll you'll get some money for interviews once again for another couple of weeks. And I, I guess that's what he wants. And that's all he cares about. He's, he's a sleazeball. So, you know, congratulations, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And enjoy your enjoy your time behind bars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of DC, uh, we got Duke in DC for the Sweet 16. Going off against your Virginia Tech Hokies, I know this is the matchup that you did not want to see. Not at all. <laughs> not even, so we're, not so even a little you, bit. Like, What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to the game, and I'm going to sit there quietly is what I'm going to do. <laughs> like, I, I don't, like, I don't know how to react. Like, it's one of those things, and I, I think I'll, I'll be able to cheer for, for just both sides, I guess, in a way. Like, I can't even cheer. Like, it's so – I don't like it, man. I just don't like it. I don't like it at yeah. all. It's – it's because I don't like it at all because both of these teams have have what it takes to move on past this round, and it's really unfortunate that the committee felt that this this particular matchup needed to happen in the Sweet 16. Like, that's, to me, that's, it, it's kind of garbage in a way. Like, I, I really don't like it. And, you know, congratulations to them for doing this. Because, I mean, there's not many people who care about Duke and Virginia Tech at the same time. So, to me, it just sucks. But it, it's still, but you, you take two teams that are, are both capable of Elite Eight or more, and you put them against each other in the Sweet 16. I, just, I thought that was a little bit of a trash move, but whatever. It is what it is. It, you know, it, it is what it is. It's 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 going to be a good game, and you have two good ACC teams going up against each other. Like I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. Really, I really yeah, don't. I mean, they're twenty six and eight. You know, they're a really really good basketball team, and they just got back arguably their best player. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a hell of a matchup in the backcourt, and I think this one is going to come down to defensively how many stops are we going to get, and how many easy baskets are we going to get? And we have to run them off the three-point line. What do you mm-hmm. expect from this team? Do you expect them to just launch a boatload of threes, and if they're hot, they're hot? No, I expect it's going to be much like it was in Blacksburg. I think you're going to see a clock control game. I think you're going to see an attempt to get the bigs and Zion in foul trouble with Kerry Blackshear. He's, Buzz is still going to spread everything out, and he's going to he's going to play his, his pack-in matchup zone that he's been playing all tournament so far and and pretty much the end of the season when they lost Justin Robinson that's kind of what they went to and they just they really seemed to respond to it well so you know go with your best trick and I think that's and they're going to play the game of the blueprint to beat Duke is to go into a zone so you know I think I think that's what we're going to see it's just the difference is they don't have the size inside the zone and the length around the zone to to make it something that Duke just can't penetrate or can't stop I thought what happened in Blacksburg was horrible shooting night by Duke, you know, good shooting night by Tech, and Duke lost by five, you know, and without Zion. So you didn't have outside of RJ, you didn't have that that middle zone breaker in the, on the interior there, and I think they'll have that with Zion this time, and I think you'll see more adjustments being made that way. And we talked about it before the tournament started when we saw the matchups, you know, if if Duke plays their game correctly and does what they're supposed to do with Zion Williamson on the floor this time. I, I don't think that they should lose to Tech. I, I think they are a better team, and and they can and should beat Virginia Tech. Now, does that mean Tech can't beat Duke? No, that's not what that means at all. It means that if they allow Tech to continue to play their perimeter-oriented game and allow the drives and kickouts to their three-point shooters because they're the best three-point shooting team left in the NCAA tournament, 
after Belmont got knocked out, then yeah, Tech is going to have a hot shooting night and has, they're going to do what we talked about, which is have a team that shoots really hot against Duke in a clock controlled type of game. And that's, that's the best way to try to beat this Duke team. So, you know, you can't allow guys like outlaw and, and Ahmed Hill and Justin Robinson to get open and easy shots and one through five, they're going to be shooting them. Carrie Blackshear steps out and shoots them too. So, you know, we, we, Duke is going to have to run them. Like you said, they're going to have to run them off the three-point line. And they're going to have to force them into some kind of individual play, sort of like against against UVA the first time. Force them to try to play individual basketball. And with, you know, with Queese down low and Javin's been playing a lot better, with those guys playing decent defense down low, I, I think you'll be able to force Tech into some, into some tough decisions and bad shots. And that's, that's going to be the key and, and try to get your runouts from that. Because that's 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 going to be the best way to try to, to try to beat this team. Yeah, I, I'm hopeful that with Zion back and hopefully a uh, a much more aggressive Marquise Bolden that we'll have the rim protection that we need that'll allow us to to really play you know the, the type of defense that suffocating type of defense that we're capable of. Mm-hmm. It's, it's 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 a nervous game for me. It is because you know you you hear it every year that you know. Guard play wins in March, and mm-hmm. it's certainly true. And they have some phenomenal guards on Virginia Tech, so it's going to be interesting. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, we had the stare that we that we had last night. I think we learned from that. I think we win on Friday, and I think that you know, on the other matchup, you, who do you like there between Michigan State and LSU? I would rather play Michigan State because they don't have the tools that it takes in terms of the players individually. They don't have the tools that it takes to beat this Duke team. They really don't. LSU has the tools in terms of they run, they can run eight or nine pro caliber athletes at you, and you know, not not pro caliber basketball players, but just pro caliber athletes. So they can they can at the very least make this team uncomfortable. And they're just they're playing on such an, an emotional high right now between. The loss of their, you know, their um, teammate Wade Sims begin the season, and then and then to have Will Wade be suspended for the, you know, the things that he's done, you know, this team is just playing on this incredible high right now, and that's a team going to the tournament. We talked about it a, th- a little bit ourselves. That's a team that you, no one wants to see on their side, and then you know, Duke happened to get them on their side, and the whole world was talking about Michigan State and Duke. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be Michigan State and Duke. I think it's going to be LSU and Duke in that Elite Eight uh, matchup, and it's it won't be an easy game. It's going to be much like that Baylor game in 2010. I think you're going to see a team that has a lot, some great size and some really good athletes that are going to give Duke a little bit of trouble. And the one thing LSU does not do, they don't play zone well and they don't play against zone well. So I think that's where Duke will have a good advantage against them. So won't be an easy game, though. That's absolutely that's the truth right there is that it won't be an easy game. Yeah, and I actually think that Michigan State is going to be looking ahead. So I agree with you. I believe LSU is going to win that matchup. And I I would rather play Michigan State, but mm-hmm. I am not as scared of LSU as I am of Virginia Tech. So, Interesting. Yeah, so we'll yeah. see. I think that, like you said, they have the athletes, but so do we. You know, mm-hmm. We have the athletes, and we have the better basketball player athletes. So right. um, I, I think we can take it to LSU. It'll be a tight game, but I think you know toward the end of that second half is when you know we're going to pull away there. Yeah. Uh, but we got to we got to be 
we got to beat Virginia Tech first. And I'm going to, I'm not going to put you on the spot with a score prediction. <laughs> I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a lower scoring game. I think it'll be somewhere in the neighborhood of 68 to 64 Duke's way. Then I think we go and play LSU. I do want to score out of you for this one. Give me Duke 80 to 72. Okay, 80 to 72 against LSU. I'm going to give you one for Tech and Duke. I am. Because, again, and I'm looking at this as objectively as I possibly can because I do like both teams and I follow both teams. And if both teams play the game they're capable of, Duke still should come out on top. And in the tournament, I don't think you can expect both teams to play the game that they are absolutely capable of. So I think what Duke has, which is the athleticism and just the unbelievable tool that is Zion Williamson, I think that's Duke's big advantage. Like Justin Robinson is a big loss for Tech, but he's it's not like he's somebody that Duke has never seen before. Zion is something that no team has ever seen before, and Buzz can't he can't duplicate that in practice. So and they didn't get a shot at him in the first game. So this is like a totally new team that that Tech is facing this Duke team right here. So it's it's going to be a new wrinkle for Buzz to have to worry about. So you know, objectively speaking, I think Duke probably should win this game somewhere in the neighborhood of like 72 to 64 65 but i do see i do see tech taking a lead at some point in this game probably early especially because of their shooting because three-point shooting is kind of the great equalizer and if you can get an extra point you're going to get ahead a couple times in a row so i think tech is going to go early and get a a lead i don't think it's gonna be a huge lead or anything but they're, they're playing at home basically in dc i think you'll see them get a little bit of a lead play with some hype and I think Duke will be able to withstand that storm a little bit because they've now they faced it against UCF. So I think Duke's going to win it at about an eight point, six to eight point clip. And then moving on to LSU, because that's who I think also is going to move forward in this whole in this bracket. I, I think Duke plays a, a good game early. I think LSU makes some adjustments with their bigs to to force some things out of Duke that they don't like. But ultimately, in the end, I think you see Duke switch to a zone against LSU at times. And I think that's really going to stifle them. And I think Duke moves forward into the final four with like a probably like an 80 to 65 type of win. I think they're going to beat them by double digits. Let's do it. I'm pumped. We got to get we got to get things going. I'm going to be in D.C. I'm not going to sit with you. I'm going to choose not to sit with you. <laughs> <laughs> we will be in D.C. Friday night. Let's yeah. go Duke. Let's go Duke. <laughs>